0: It's mostly the same that we have seen but with a couple of interesting twists. So the facts are that last week, the SEC and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission collectively sanctioned 12, I think it was, broker dealers over a total of, I think, $550 million in fines and penalties.
1: That was Matt Kelly. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds. In this episode, Matt and I take a deep dive into the most recent series of enforcement actions by the CFTC and SEC for companies not following the requirements around messaging apps. We also consider what this might mean for non-regulated industries going forward. I know you'll enjoy this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. The award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Matt Kelly for another episode of the award winning Compliance into the Weeds. In addition to us being back, we're back with a familiar topic (laughs) enforcement actions against regulated industries and their messaging apps, or rather, their lack of policing them. So, Matt, first of all, welcome back. Hello, Tom. Good to be here. And surprising only because it didn't happen on September 29th, the day before the end of the fiscal year. We had another massive series or, or series of multiple enforcement actions involving financial institutions and others that are regulated, Matt. Did you see something new and different, or is this a continuation of what we saw really starting last year? Well, it's it's
0: mostly the same that we have seen, but with a couple of interesting twists. So the facts are that last week, the SEC and the Commodity Futures Trading Commission collectively sanctioned 12, I think it was, broker-dealers over a total of, I think, $550 million in fines and penalties. These were all against broker-dealer firms or broker-dealer subsidiaries of larger banks. So it's groups like Wedbush Securities, Wells Fargo's Securities, BNP Paribas, I believe Morgan Stanley was in there, I think. I'm not entirely sure. I'll have to check. JP Morgan. JP Morgan, thank you. Well, JP Morgan was sanctioned already once long ago. MOLIS and company, various others that if you're in the stock trading field, you've probably heard of them. If you are not in the stock trading broker-dealer field, you probably haven't. But a dozen broker-dealer firms sanctioned by the CFTC and the SEC Some of these firms were sanctioned by just the SEC. A few were sanctioned by only the CFTC. A few were sanctioned by both and got double dipped or double hit, however you want to describe it. But what was the offense? That's the part where we have heard this all before. It was employees using messaging apps, so-called ephemeral messaging, where the record keeping was non-existent. So you would have them talking about company business. On applications like, I think, WhatsApp and Snapchat and probably a few others where the record-keeping obligations that you have can't happen because those apps allow the employees to disable the record preservation. So that is a violation of securities laws for broker-dealers. And that unto itself is the compliance violation. However, we also saw a lot of ire and unhappiness in the settlement orders against the firms because not only were they doing this, but their supervisory employees and their managers, who should have known better, were also using these messaging apps when their day job should have been to set a high standard of compliance and ethical conduct for the rest of the the business. That didn't happen. That stuck in the regulator's craws. But again, that isn't unusual either. Tom, I think the only actual new thing is I don't recall that the CFTC has taken any action yet on ephemeral messaging. The SEC has been the lead agency. It's done the most. The Justice Department has been the heavy because when it has stepped in, it has you know, imposed some pretty draconian fines, but it's only did that once. The SEC has taken many more actions. I think we're up to several dozen enforcement sanctions now. And now we see the CFTC getting in on the action as well. But that's that's the news part. That is what happened.
1: So, Matt, the, the thing that intrigued me, and you, I think, uh, really set this out in your blog post, which, of course, we'll link to in the show notes, was that uh, the SEC required what I would call a monitor, what they call an independent compliance consultant. Yes. And it seemed to me I now understand when the SEC will require that, because we had multiple... Enforcement actions involving messaging apps where this was not required. And that difference seems to be the prevalence of senior managers involved in the conduct. We had multiple, as I said, enforcement actions against companies that had policies and procedures, but they didn't follow them, or they didn't ensure that the employees followed them, perhaps. Here, once again, we have the senior managers involved in the conduct at issue. And I think you're absolutely right, it got under the SEC's craw. And they found that to be uh, insufficient in terms of we're all corporate culture. So an independent compliance consultant was required in multiple settlements on this round as well.
0: Yeah. And the compliance consultant, the monitor, whatever we want to call him or her, they do have a lot to keep themselves busy because the reforms that the companies must implement, which this consultant will then be able to review are a lot about policies and procedures for what that your messaging policy should be, training for employees, so you're going to be looking at training records. They will be looking at any allegations of violating those policies. Well, you're supposed to keep those records as well and let the consultant look at them. Talks A lot of talk about disciplinary frameworks that the banks must use or the broker-dealer firms must use that to spell out who will get what sort of enforcement and disciplinary action for what uh, violations. Repeat offenders presumably would get worse discipline or more senior employees who should know better would also presumably get worse discipline. But all of that is going to have to be tracked. All of that is going to have to be audited. All of that is going to have to be defended. When you present it to the independent compliance consultant, and that is something that we have seen now since JP Morgan became the very first institution to go under this sort of settlement decree back, I think it was almost two years ago, it was late 2021, that JP Morgan was the first one to announce a settlement. The actual enforcement crackdown happened just about two years ago, starting in September 2021. That seems to be when most of these banks said, oh, crap, let's stop this right now. But they'd already been doing this for the last several years prior to 2021. So there's a lot of misconduct that the SEC and other regulators are sifting through.
1: Matt, do you think that this conduct uh, will continue? And so we'll see additional enforcement actions uh, over the next even couple of years? Or do you think the message has finally got out and the SEC is working through a backlog?
0: Well, if I could say yes to both, I think that is the case here, because there's still plenty of large securities firms that have not yet featured in this enforcement crackdown. I'm willing to bet they have all engaged in this. It seems to be a pervasive thing. And to be clear, we should remember, it's not improper for employees to use messaging apps per se. It's that they use improper messaging apps to conduct business on those things. iMessages might be one. Snap, I mentioned before. Anything where the company cannot capture and document that communication. If it is a business communication, you're supposed to. And now, if you didn't, that's your compliance violation. So, you know, Morgan Stanley, actually, I mentioned that before. Morgan Stanley is an example of how to respond to this very well, that they have implemented new training about when employees should take business, personal communications on these forbidden apps, if they suddenly start talking about business, they're supposed to know, okay, let's just take this back onto the proper authorized app now. And if they don't do that, if there are repeated violations, they can lose compensation. They can lose equity awards. I have read that Morgan Stanley's ultimate sanction for employees, if they violate these policies, could be upwards of a million dollars in equity awards that you don't get or bonuses you don't get. So Morgan Stanley is doing it well. I imagine other companies are racing to do this well, too. That is not necessarily going to be easy. There's a lot of technical controls you have to implement. There's a lot of policies. There's a lot of training. But, you know, back to your fundamental question, are we still maybe in a backlog where we're going to see more of this? That would not surprise me at all.
1: One of the things that you and I have touched on in our discussions about this over the past A couple of years is noting correctly that these are, excuse me, regulated industries. What if we move to non-regulated industries, i.e. public and private companies that are not regulated by the SEC or the CFTC? Uh, Would non-regulated industries also have this potential exposure that we've seen from the SEC? That Tom is
0: I think a fascinating question and I'm not necessarily sure I know the answer to this because on one hand we do see a lot of messages from the justice department that messaging and communication apps and the risks thereof should be taken seriously. And they don't say should be taken seriously only by broker-dealers. They say should be taken seriously, you companies out there. And when they updated their compliance guidelines in March of 2023, they included a whole new section about communications channels and how are you trying to capture it. But I do think the key word there is trying because... Broker-dealers have a specific rule that requires them to preserve records. It is Rule 17A-4, Paragraph B-4, if we're going to be technical about it. And that rule for broker-dealers clearly says you have to preserve all business communications. Generally, the period varies, but anywhere from two to six years. And that's it, full stop. If you don't do that, that is the compliance violation. Now, Tom, where I'm starting to get a little bit uncertain is what are the full record-keeping obligations for other industries, other businesses that are not subject to these broker-dealer rules? Because you would think, well, books and records, that's under the FCPA, like we're literally talking about record-keeping. But my reading of the books and records provision of the SEC of the FCPA, as explained by the SEC and its guidance around books and records, is that those provisions are about you cannot falsify a business record. You cannot allow a false business record to be put out there. So that's why we would see a books and records violation is a spreadsheet the company uses for supposed commissions, but those are false because really the the true stuff is in a secret spreadsheet on Google Docs or something like that, that employees are using elsewhere. That is an off-channel communication, but they are allowing the false record to be put out there to investors. And so my reading of it would be that there has to be an underlying crime that is happening, an FCPA violation, and then adding insult to injury The regulator might also slap you around for using improper messaging to cover it up. But that's not what applies to broker-dealers. It's if you use off-channel record messaging apps, that's the violation. I'm not clear on if you use these messaging apps to conduct business and you're not a broker-dealer. Like, have you done anything wrong absent a crime? So what's your take on that? Oh, you're muted, Tom.
1: I'm going to go to the statute itself, which lists four prongs for internal controls. Number one, transactions are executed in accordance with management's general or specific authorization. Two, transactions are recorded as necessary to preparation of financial statements in conformity with general accepted accounting principles or other criteria applicable to such statements and to maintain accountability for assets. Three, access to assets is permitted only in accordance with management's general or specific authorization. Authorization, and four, the recorded accountability for assets is compared with the existing assets at reasonable intervals and appropriate action is taken with respect to any differences. Further, no person shall knowingly circumvent or knowingly fail to implement a system of internal accounting controls yeah. or knowingly falsify any book, record, or account. So I read that because it would seem to indicate exactly what you just said, that it is uh, financial information or authorizations for financial information uh, that have been falsified. Within the FCPA world, we've had several enforcement actions where there was no underlying bribery agreed to in the eventual settlement. And as far back as the original Oracle case, BHP and Mead Johnson. And that information comes to us from our colleague Karen Woody from her Law Review article, No Smoke and No Fire, The Rise of Internal controls absent anti-bribery violations in FCPA enforcement. So I think it would be a pretty good stretch to get an internal control violation simply because you didn't either have policies and procedures around ephemeral messaging or you had policies and procedures and you didn't follow them. Where I would also agree that uh, where I would see the regulators jumping in and hear both the SEC and the Department of Justice as if there was other FCPA violations and some of the underlying conduct to devise and execute a scheme was used via messaging apps or messaging apps which disappeared or ephemeral messaging. And so the regulators, I think, could get very excised on that. The evaluation you pointed us to is guidance. It's not a regulation, gone yeah. through the regulatory process. It's not a law. Uh, so Theoretically, I suppose you shouldn't be sanctioned for the violation of guidance, particularly when that's used to assess an overall compliance program. But I think <clears throat> at the end of the day, if you do have ephemeral messaging that violates or is in in opposition to what the Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Program's 2023 version says, that's going to be held against you. And we have seen... Both the DOJ and SEC punish companies for things like um, small payments. And the the greatest one, of course, is the Veraz Technologies case, where roses of some note three thousand, I think, were given to a foreign official's wife. And that, in and of itself, is not a violation, but it was thrown in with several others uh, to be a part of the overall description of the lack of culture of compliance within the company. So I think it could be a part of that. If the the DOJ doesn't uh, prosecute internal control violations, that's unless it's criminal and that's the department of the, or the jurisdiction rather of the SEC. So it would be a pretty big stretch, but I think you're absolutely spot on if you have an underlying violation and you have communications that are really in opposite of what the expectation of the regulators is they will view this as negative cultural metric and really hold that against you, particularly if it has destroyed evidence.
0: I do think, though, it's Two points that we should emphasize. I think an important word that you had used a few minutes ago was scheme. And so, absent a scheme, and you're just normally talking about the normal course of business on WhatsApp, I'm not necessarily sure that is ever going to be a compliance violation anybody's going to bother with on the regulatory side. But in the broker dealer world, that is a compliance violation that they will get angry about. And my best sense of reading all of these settlement orders in the broker-dealer world is it looks like the regulators were trying to do investigations and found that they couldn't because the banks weren't keeping or the broker-dealers weren't keeping proper records. And I think at that point, at some some level, they just got fed up and said, OK, screw it. This is a violation of Rule 17A, 4B, whatever it was I said there, of the rule. And they just said, you know, we're going to crack down on this. But it is only a tool for broker-dealers. But the underlying impetus here was that the regulators were trying to investigate stuff and finding out that they couldn't because nobody was keeping records. Tom, the other point I wanted to emphasize is just because there's no real legal requirement to keep business records here under the FCPA, I could easily imagine there are other regulators out there who would frown severely on using improper messaging apps, to, to be loosey-goosey about your record-keeping. I think any number of state attorneys generals would probably be very upset, or state secretary of state officials who run business corporation registries in various states, they would probably— be very upset if you are running a lot of your business operations with ephemeral messaging and you're not really keeping diligent records. I could see investor groups who probably want to haul you into court at some point in a shareholder suit in Delaware, and they're opening some chapter 221 complaint about books and records. If you don't have the records and you're just going to say, well, you know, we did everything on WhatsApp. I could see that being a big mess. There are many reasons why you should refrain from, a you know, using these messaging apps to create or conduct business. Uh, And that is the point that, you know, we should all stick with here just because there isn't any legal basis under the FCPA. People say, oh, well, then we don't have to worry. You're going to have to worry for some reason. And so go back to what the guidance actually talks about from the Justice Department. It's much more about what is your culture of taking these things seriously. And you do have a duty to try and preserve records for various reasons. And are you doing that or not? And if you're not, And then just to say, well, you know, legally, we didn't have a requirement to have these internal controls in place. I don't see that as being a very good argument, not to your board, not to your regulators, not the plaintiff lawyers, not to the public. So there are people, compliance officers asking me, is this really that big of a deal for non-broker dealers? I don't think it's as big of a deal, but that doesn't mean it is a small deal or no deal.
1: Matt, it strikes me that the government might view it as similar to using code words for bribery, cookie, yes. chocolate, brownie, or any other delicious piece of food that seems out of place in your discussions. I think you're absolutely spot on that uh, this is government, this is just an indicia of the lack of a culture of doing business ethically and in compliance. That's all we got, Tom. I think that's quite enough, so... I look forward to seeing what next week brings us, man. All right. Thank you. This is Tom Fox again. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the award-winning Compliance into the Weed. We've linked to Matt's blog posts on this topic in the show notes. I hope you will check out the blog post for more information. I also hope you will listen to some of the new podcasts on the Compliance Podcast Network. We premiered a podcast uh, with Richard Blundell on sustainability, the business opportunity of the 21st century, Fox on podcasting, where I take a meta look at podcasting, and compliance and AI. We are also developing some additional new shows, which will premiere in July. It's quite an exciting time on the Compliance Podcast Network. If you'd like to be a part of the Compliance Podcast Network, please give me a shout. I'm available at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Thanks so much for listening. We look forward to visiting with you again.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.